0: Hi there, I'm Lee Redhead, a writer and member of Sisters in Crime Australia. Welcome to Scarlet Stiletto Bites, scintillating short stories by Australian women. Our weekly podcast is designed for busy lives. Each murder mystery is short, but not always sweet. Expect twisted tales, quirky humour, imagination and a frisson of feminism. Sisters in Crime Australia's Scarlet Stellano Awards were established in 1994 to unearth criminal literary talent. We're producing these podcasts of winning stories to celebrate the sisters' 30th anniversary ceremony in Melbourne in late 2023. The concept designer and narrator is fellow sister, actor, barrister, broadcaster and best-selling true crime author Susanna Lobez.
1: This is Dust Devils by Julie Waite, read by Susanna Lopez for Sisters in Crime. Extraordinary things happen all the time. Cindy knows this to be true because she watches Maury Povich, Oprah and Jerry Springer. Her house is a mundane suburban weatherboard, hmm, dirtier than most. Cindy is not fond of cleaning. Tonight, the six o'clock news appears decidedly hazy through concentrated layers of dust on the television screen. As Cindy sits on the couch, Danny struts between her and the television, holding the Electrolux vacuum cleaner. What do you do all day? He says, brandishing the nozzle in the air. Cindy notices a carpet thread hanging from the end, a long dirty piece that wriggles about like an erratic worm. Why don't you clean? Cindy frowns. She thinks to tell him that Oprah had a host of burn victims as guests this afternoon and that Jerry Springer's show had centred on paternity tests, but it doesn't seem appropriate. I went to the supermarket, she says. Look at the dust devils, Danny says, wide-eyed and vacuum cleaner encumbered. Dust devils? Cindy can't imagine what he means. Don't you mean dust bunnies? Nothing so harmless, he says. Not when you're a chronic, asthmatic. Danny wheezes the last two words to add credence to his asthma chronic ability. And he's wearing his satisfied expression, the one where the side of his mouth curls at the corner. You can't expect me to do it, he sighs in pretense of great weariness and breathlessness. Work all day to come home and work some more. The white hose thumps the Electrolux's side. The hose is as thick as a boa constrictor. You're high maintenance, Danny says. High maintenance, Cindy supposes she is. And lazy, he adds, as if this new information is a sudden epiphany. I'm not lazy, Cindy says, looking at her hands. Her nails are chewed to the quick. Raw cuticles dangle and bleed at haphazard intervals. She might be high maintenance, but not lazy. Cindy gets up to change channels on the television. Danny doesn't. Lazy people use remote controls. The house surrounds them in dusty repose, cushions squashed into uncushion like shapes on the couch. Crookedly hung curtains in the blotchy windows and spider webs drooping heavily from the ceiling. Cindy had meant to disengage the webs last Tuesday. Tuesday came and went, but the spider webs didn't. But dust devils? Who's heard of such a thing? Danny's making it up. Cindy stops staring at the ceiling because Danny is staring at her. What? is wrong with you, he says. The satisfied expression has slipped from his face. Nothing, she says, chewing at her index finger and tasting blood. Lots of people don't like cleaning, you know? She points the bleeding finger in his general direction. Danny scowls, this expression makes the left corner of his mouth dip further than the right. It isn't an attractive look, and she's meant to tell him this, but like removing the spiderweb, she hasn't got around to it. Like it or not, people still clean. My mother used to whistle while she worked, Cindy thinks. Her mother had whistled, except for a brief period after her father had knocked out three of her teeth. Her mother had said that they were only false teeth and that it didn't matter. Cleaning had been her mother's passion. Less likely to be beaten if you were scrubbing the floor or had your head in the oven. At least Danny doesn't hit her. It's it's a small concession, but a worthwhile one. Cindy's mother is in a nursing home now. The last time Cindy visited was after the home's coordinator complained that Cindy's mother had wrestled a cleaner to the floor for ownership of a Chuck superwipe and a bottle of cloudy ammonia. Danny begins to stride about the living room, dragging the Electrolux behind him. One of the wheels squeaks. It's her mother's vacuum cleaner, a family heirloom. You know my condition, Danny says. You know how I suffer. How can he think she doesn't know when he reminds her daily? She considers telling him about yesterday's episode of Maury Povich titled, My Husband Had Sex With My Brother, but decides against it. You need help, Danny states. Hmm, would be nice to have someone come in and clean, Sydney thinks. They could certainly afford it. But she realises that isn't what Danny is talking about. Pardon? Cindy says. I I said this therapist comes highly recommended. He drops the Electrolux nozzle to the floor and reaches into his pocket. For a moment, the hose slithers on the carpet then lies still. Danny hates to repeat himself. Cindy waits for him to say just that. Why don't you listen to me? You know how I hate to repeat myself. Frisbee-like, he throws a business card at Cindy. Its corner jabs the base of her throat. She swats at the spot and when she looks, her fingertip bears a smudge of blood. He has made her bleed for the first time. That night, Cindy dreams she's on Jerry Springer. She sits on stage in a red leather chair. Without surprise, Cindy sees that the audience is articles of furniture and fixtures from her house. Lying across an entire road is the couch and next to it, the coffee table. In the row above are the lamp, a set of crockery with white flowers on the plates, the clock from the kitchen and her and Danny's wedding photo. The television is perched in the front row and somewhere there will be the remote control. Their bookcase leans into the aisle, dusty encyclopedias fall out and Jerry steps over these on his way to the stage. It isn't until Jerry reaches the stage that Cindy glances to her right. Her mother sits in another red chair wearing her favourite pink blouse, black slacks and, of course, her floral apron and rubber gloves. Her mother smiles and claps and the rubber gloves make the sound hollow and squishy. On Cindy's left are three empty chairs. She wonders which guests will be joining them. Then she looks again and sees that the chairs are occupied by dust devils Threads of fear twist in Cindy's stomach. Danny didn't make it up after all. Here they are, not dust bunnies, no. Nothing so harmless. They're darker and, and dirtier than dust bunnies and not fluffy at all, but share their appearance with that of overused steel wool. One has ears or, or, or are they horns? Another has a piece of old cheese for a head and the last has a spongy middle of mould, the sort you find on vegetables left too long in the fridge. Jerry nods, smiles, and turns to face the homely audience. He opens his mouth, but it's her mother's scream that Cindy hears. Look out! Heart-thumping, Cindy watches her mother leap from the chair. Somehow she's acquired a broom. Perhaps she wrestled it from a stagehand. Filth! She screeches. Get out of the way. I've got to clean. Jerry moves incredibly fast. He is, Cindy supposes, a professional at handling volatile guests. With the assistance of some extremely clean cameramen, Cindy's mother is dragged from the stage. In the scuffle, a rubber glove falls to the floor. Cindy sees her mother's hand, as white and wrinkled as a dead fish, flap on Jerry's shoulder left in the company of the dust devils cindy nervously grips the arms of her red chair don't be afraid the dust devil with the moldy middle says you are our friend yes agrees the dust devil with the cheese head you leave us in peace the audience clatters, ticks and flashes. More books tumble into the aisle. The television turns into a station with applause. True, thinks Cindy, her fear subsiding. She certainly has no reason to be considered an enemy to anything composed of dust, dirt or even the black goop that accumulates in the plastic base of her kitchen tidy. Doesn't she leave sleeping dust devil's lie? By God, she does. When the dust devil with horns speaks, Cindy can now see that the horns are crumpled corn chips. It sounds like Yoda from Star Wars. Help you, we will. Cindy isn't Fond of the character Yoda, she can't understand how something so all-knowing and wise fails to grasp the English language. A friend in need you are, yes. Books fall, the lamp flashes, the wedding photograph slips between seats and disappeared. The television tunes into another station and there's Darth Vader, sounding like he suffers from an acute case of asthma. The dust devils say other things, but Cindy can't make out their words. The awful gasping, wheezing sound coming from the television gets louder. Cindy realises that it's Danny panting in the bed beside her and thinks how strange to comprehend something like that from inside a dream. Danny leaves for work the following morning and doesn't kiss her goodbye. He hardly kisses her at all anymore but they still have sex regularly. This puzzles Cindy and she considers writing to Jerry Springer to request a show based on dwindling kisses and invariable sex. The card Danny assaulted her with yesterday sits by the phone. She stares at it as if it may come alive and attack her of its own will. She senses it is dangerous. Danny expects her to call. He'll ask if she has when he gets home. Does she wanna sit with a stranger and discuss her personal life? No. Will the stranger gaze at her chewed nails and write something on a notepad? Probably. Will it be decided that she needs some sort of experimental drug or treatment? Anything's possible. Extraordinary things happen all the time. Cindy hurries to the bathroom to inspect herself in the mirror. The face that gazes back is plump and unattractive. Her hair needs cutting. Fear lies beneath her eyes in the form of dark smears. She can't possibly go out looking like this. Her gnawed fingertips painfully grip the basin. Something brushes against her hand. Cindy yanks her hand away and glares at the grubby basin. The three dust devils from her dream are assembled by the drain like fat spiders trapped by the slippery surface. You don't need therapy, Mouldy Middle says. You have to take control, Cheesehead adds. The horned dust devil wears pieces of Cindy's hair from the drain. Fine you are. Cindy isn't convinced. Danny thinks I should speak to someone. He thinks he is unkind, head says. But he's never hit me. Bosses you he does. Mouldy Middle agrees. And he talks down to you like, like dirt, Cindy finishes. She hopes she hasn't offended them, speaking of dirt, like it's something bad. They don't appear offended. If you want to speak to someone, why not your mother, says Mouldy Middle. My mother? The thought wraps around her brain like hair in a drain. Treeside Hostel is a pleasant enough place, yet Cindy doesn't like coming here. She suffers an uneasy feeling in her stomach. She knows what the feeling is, but avoids using its given name. Her mother spent her life poised between Cindy and her father's fists. Being put in a home is hardly a reward for heroism. Cindy wishes she could look after her mother, but Danny won't allow it. She knows this to be true, even though she's never suggested it. The very thought of bringing up the subject makes Cindy's insides queasy. Danny doesn't hit her, no, but he does something. He keeps me under control, she thinks. In her mother's room, Cindy finds a bottom sticking out from under the bed. This position is familiar to Cindy. Apart from allowing close-up cleaning, it protects her mother's face from fists and flying objects. Mum? The bottom wiggles out and reveals a beaming face. Cindy! Her mother totters upright and gives Cindy a massive hug. The scent of Windex, washing powder, and furniture polish wafts in Cindy's nostrils. How are you, Mum? Good, good, good. Her mother always was and is good. She's lived her life believing it, and Cindy supposes it's too late for her to see the truth. They talk of old times, but the old times are censored recollections. Never a hint of violence or unhappiness. Cindy's father remains the hard-working man, the good provider and the sadly missed husband. Cindy doesn't miss him at all. Sometimes her mother gets confused and thinks he's still alive. Her face clouds over and she looks frightened, like now. Uh, i Better go back to cleaning under the bed, she says. Your father won't be pleased if the place is untidy when he gets home. Cindy nods, trying to explain that he is dead, that he isn't ever coming home, only upsets her mother. Cindy remembers how it was back then, how it really was. Each afternoon at 5.30, the tension in their home would mount to an unbearable hum. The sort of vacuum cleaner might make when the bag is overly full. Her mother would dart about the house searching for something else to clean. Dinner was always ready and waiting, but it wasn't enough. Her father would find fault with something. Cindy had often caught him hunting for something, anything in the house that wasn't exactly right. Once he had fished a broken glass out of the bin to grumble about. Her mother says something that jolts Cindy from her memories. What what did you say, Mum? That man is a nasty piece of work, her mother repeats, sticking her head back underneath the bed. Cindy can't believe it. She tugs at the hem of her mother's dress. Dad? is, is a nasty piece of work? The head reappears, frowning. Heavens no, your father's passed away, you know. I was speaking of that Daniel you married. Nasty, nasty, nasty. Don't know why you can't see it for yourself. It's as obvious as dirt. Cindy stands in the lower level of Kmart, but it feels more like the lower regions of Dante's hell. And it has the features you asked about, suction and blow, Cindy smiles at the Godfrey salesman. It's her best housewife smile, pilfered from her mother. "Uh, Are you sure it's powerful? Cindy asks. The salesman gives his best smile. She isn't sure where he got his from, a horror movie perhaps. He leans towards her like a conspirator, which he unknowingly is. Why, madam, he says. Cindy hates being called Madam, marginally less than being called high maintenance. You could perform an abortion with this sucker, (laughs) she laughs. Cindy laughs too. Her mouth feels stuffed full of cotton or maybe it's dust devils. They seem to be everywhere. That evening, Danny comes home to a house depleted of dirt, grime and spiderwebs. His expression is one of stark amazement. Dreamily, he wanders into the bedroom where the dustless bedside table gleams in clear lamplight, linen washed, clothes folded away. Wow, he says. The kitchen sparkles like something out of a television commercial. Cindy used a toothbrush to remove the built-up grunge around the hot plates. She even cleaned in the crack between the oven and the bench, but Danny doesn't notice. In the bathroom, the shower curtain has been washed in White King. The basin is scrubbed and the floor mopped. Her raw fingers have swollen to fat purple leeches. Danny doesn't notice her hands either. His satisfied and scowling expressions meet and merge into something new and, Cindy thinks, ugly. I can't remember a time when the house looked like this, Danny says. He glances at her suspiciously as if she may have emerged from a ruptured seed pod as the alien duplicates did in the body snatchers. Cindy's back aches. Her arms feel weighted down with bags of wet cement. Her ankles are bulbous slugs spilling out the top of her shoes. I I bought a new vacuum cleaner, she says, showing her teeth in what she hopes is a wide smile. Would you like to see it? Speechless, Danny wanders into the living room, collapses onto the clean covered couch. Cindy leaves him in polished splendor and gets the new Volta vacuum-cleaner. She hauls it into the room and plugs it into a socket between him and the television set. Here it is, she announces. He gazes at it, then at her. Well, he says, well. Cindy smiles smugly. Danny is at a loss for words, which is so unlike him. He has nothing to complain about, nothing to put her down over. The poor thing, look at him sitting there with his mouth hanging open. He clears his throat and wheezes. Now you need to do something about yourself. His satisfied expression resurfaces. Look at you, he says. You're fat. And your hair is a sight. Cindy's smile dies. He'll always be the same, just like her father. From inside the vaulter, she hears muffled voices. He is unkind. Bosses you, he does. Speaks down to you like dirt. Cindy bends over and removes the vaulter's hose. She reconnects it to the blow outlet and flicks the switch. The accumulated dirt of the day's cleaning erupts forth in a fluffy grey cloud as she releases dust devils and bunnies alike. Coughing, Danny grabs for his throat. She directs the humming hose directly at him. You're nasty, 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 she says. Now shut up. The grey cloud envelops his face. Danny slithers off the couch and lands on his knees. She switches off the machine and drops the nozzle. That shut him up wonderfully. Danny gasps for breath. When the grey cloud settles, he's still nearly, arms outstretched in a plea for compassion. Cindy decides he looks like Al Johnson in the midst of a rendition of Mammy cindy walks to the kitchen and locates his ventolin when she returns she tosses the inhaler at him it bounces off his forehead leaving a white dot before it slips between the couch cushions and disappears now she says i've missed all my shows today because i was cleaning but i've taped them on the dusty couch cindy sits and presses the remote control dust devils nestle on the pillows. Danny wheezes by her feet. Tomorrow she'll call the hostel and tell them that her mother is coming to live with her. She'll work out perfectly. Her mother loves to clean and won't she marvel at the new vault of vacuum cleaner? But Cindy will have the house squeaky clean before her mother arrives. Dirt isn't a bad thing unless it's evidence. By the time Oprah finishes and Moripovich begins, Danny's wheezing has stopped. Without emotion, Cindy realises he isn't breathing at all. Chronic asthmatics often die from their affliction. Extraordinary things happen all the time.
0: Thanks so much for listening. We'd love your feedback. Subscribe for free to Scarlet Stiletto Bites wherever you get podcasts, and do visit our website, sistersincrime.org.au.